0: As I was preparing for the study, I was blown away at Paul's boldness to share the Lord. He was definitely on a mission to tell others about Jesus and how they could be assured of eternal of eternal life. Have you ever shared your faith with someone and they accept the Lord as their Savior? I can remember when I was a brand-new LPN. Um, I went out to California to go to Bible college, and I was just really um, um, bold and just... I don't know. Just shared it very. Um, I don't. It just was easier then. I don't know if it's because I was young or I don't. I don't know what it was. But um, I was charge nurse on the floor that night, and my, the one aide that she was incredible. Um, she came in, and I just discerned right away that she she was crying and I was like, Andrea, what's, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, do you need to go home? And she's like, no, 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 my cat, my cat's really sick. And and I think he's dying. And um, I don't, I can't afford to get him fixed or get the, you know, the medical issues. And she was like, like l- really devastated. And I just began to like, the Lord was like, share Jesus with her. So I did. And she accepted the Lord right then and there the night was, you know, me and her and one other aide, And, um, she accepted the Lord, she came to church that Sunday. Her life turned around. Here she had really no family in the area. Um, and she later be- told me that she was actually gonna go home after that shift and commit suicide because she was that devastated about her cat. That cat was her family member She because she had no family in the area. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, that was amazing that you gave me the confidence to be able to share with her and that she accepted. But it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes they're like, uh, you know, I'm not interested or I am interested, but they don't follow through or, you know, the, the tons of excuses we get. And if you've been rejected when you're sharing your faith, the excuses know no bounds, but it doesn't mean we're to stop sharing our faith. I think sometimes we get so discouraged, we just kind of pull back. So what do we do when we get rejected? We keep going. Whether we plant a seed or maybe water that one that is trying to grow, we need to persevere in our witnessing. It is what we're called to do as Christians. It's how we will hear, well done, good, and faithful servant, along with the course, of course, filling the great commission, go there and make disciples. That's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 19. All right, we're going to pray and then go right into verse 1 and 2. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. For just this time to be together, Lord, I thank you for each gal that made it um, to come tonight, Lord, and anyone that's not here tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd minister her. You know what's going on in her life and what she needs, and I pray that you'd bless her wherever she's at. And I pray for the women that are here, Lord, that you would just help our hearts, Lord, Um, you know, um, intimately for each of us what's going on in our hearts and mind, what kind of week we've had, what kind of couple days, and what's ahead of us, Lord. So just help us to put aside all that. And to just come as your daughters to sit um, at our Father's feet and listen. So we just thank you for your word and your precious name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at verse 1 and 2, uh, chapter 2, First Thessalonians. For you yourself know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated as at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Paul was passionate about sharing the gospel. Just before coming to Thessalonica, Paul and Silas were in Philippi preaching the gospel of Jesus and baptizing there. A riot broke out because they had converted a fortune teller and that people that she made money for were very upset because that was their source of income. So they were angry and they stirred up a crowd against Paul and Silas. This disturbance became so serious that Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into a dungeon fastened in stocks that put them in agonizing position basically their feet and ankles were bound together what was their reaction did they get angry at God did they say forget this I'm done walking with the Lord did they backslide no I'm blown away by this I had to keep I had to keep like looking over and over again they started praying and singing while they were suffering physical torture I don't think any of us have been on that kind of I mean, I'm sure we get rejected verbally, but we've never been bound and, and beaten in um, the way that they were. And here they are. What faith, what trust to just start praying and singing um, while suffering physical torture. That's, that's big. That's like, wow. You can read that story more of it in Acts 16 on your own. But seriously, what passion and devotion they had on their calling. After they were miraculously released, they converted the jailer and his family <laughs> So they get saved, which is incredible. They left Philippi and headed for Thessalonica and marched right into the synagogue there to teach the Jews that Jesus truly was their long-awaited Messiah. After doing this only three Sabbaths, so three teachings, many believed and the church was established. However, Paul upset the apple cart again in Thessalonica too, and another riot broke out. So the brothers sent Paul and Silas to Berea, So goes the pattern as to wherever Paul went, a riot would break out or trouble. So back to verse 1 and 2 of our study. Paul is saying that his visit to Thessalonians was not in vain or fruitless. They believed in what he'd said in just three discussions. So that must have given him much encouragement. I mean, think about how much time you might pour into somebody, you know, witnessing or sharing the Lord, and it's just constantly, no, no, I'm not ready, or you know i'll do that I'll do that when i'm dying i'll reach out for the lord or whatever excuses you've heard after three discussions they were like okay i'm in they believed so he must have been really pumped okay he had just experienced being beaten and imprisoned in Philippi but that did not deter him from continuing on his mission to convert the greeks whether jew or gentile no matter whether the gospel message we tell others is believed or not god honors our obedience so sometimes you feel that like I don't know if you ever feel, but you're like that little prompting, share with her, you know, tell her God loves her, or say, you know, can I pray for you for anything? Or just, you know, and you're like, you talk yourself out of it. God will honor that obedience when we're obedient, even if we're rejected. He was way more rejected than we will ever be. The opposition we face should never discourage us. The Lord told Samuel, they have not rejected you, but they reject him. 1 Samuel 8, 7. We are just the messengers doing what God has called us to do. When we share our testimonies and God's sacrificial love for mankind, it's never in vain. Always be encouraged that even if we don't see, you know, we're, we're um, you know, the fast food uh, generation. We want to see fruit right away. We want that burger right away. We want to see the fruit. So if we don't see it, we give up. But it's okay if we don't see the fruit right away. We're planting a seed and someone else, like another Christian sister, might come along and water it, and it starts growing. You just you just never know uh, who God's gonna use um, around them, you know, coworkers or family members or whoever it might be, a stranger. God always is faithful to bring someone. He wants our loved ones saved more than we do, and I think we often forget that. We're, we're so heartbroken over where they're at or, and where they're headed that we forget that he truly does want them saved more than we do. Peter tells us that God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's 2 Peter 3.9. So continue being that shining light that reflects God's love and mercy, compassion and forgiveness. Pray that God softens their heart to receive God's grace. In the next few verses, Paul assures the church of his integrity. His motives are pure. He's not shy in letting them know why he does what he does. Let's continue in verse 3 through 8. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Paul wanted to reassure them that he was not in it for the money, that he had sincerely loved them and cared about their eternal destiny. He wasn't in it for the honor or the fame. He lived for an audience of one. He ministered from an understanding of his identity in Jesus. Paul didn't use his position as an apostle to assert his authority over them. No, he humbly and gently spoke the truth and let them know he held them dear to his heart. As a nursing, I mean, think, I mean, we have some pretty pictures recently of nursing mothers in our church. (laughs) Just think of how um, a nursing mother holds, you know, their children. It's just really, and cares for them. Now that is a great word picture, but it left no doubt in the minds of the Thessalonians that Paul truly cared for them, deeply. Nobody cares, I love this quote, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Do you know who quoted that? Do you know who said that? One of our presidents, Teddy Roosevelt, our 26th president, I thought that was a fun fact. Um, but I love that. Nobody knows how much you care Do they know how much pre- Now I'm quoting it wrong, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hmm? Yeah. T- nobody care- no- cares how much you know Do they know how much you care. Got it. Paul made sure the Thessalonians knew how much he cared for them so that they would receive his message and sincerely believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's integrity proved true. We need to let our unsaved family and friends know that we care. It's, it's such a difference... Um, when you take time with someone, you be... um, I'm never good at that. Like, we, when we were in Bible college, we used to go out street witnessing. uh, We did it in Mexico. And I used to feel like, this is so, like, out of my element. Like, I'd rather, let's go get coffee or tea. Like, I'd rather take my time and build a friendship and then share the Lord. So I felt like that was always, like, we're, like, smacking them in their face with reality. But some people need that, and some people like that, and other people, like, build relationships. And, um, and then they accept it. So we need to do that with our, you know, like with our unsafe family and friends. Let them know that we really love them. Um, remember, it's not our responsibility to make them accept Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's his job. We're just to do our part. And the Lord's nudging you to share or to love on them. And maybe it's, it's simple things. It's not even something verbal. Maybe it's love in action that speaks louder than our words. Ours is to give them the good news of the gospel. The rest is between God and them. Let's continue with verse 9 through 12, because we have 20 verses. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We, pre- we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also, how devoutly or devoted, how devoted and justly, justly and blameless we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul's reminding them how hard he had worked and that he he wouldn't be a burden to them. In other words, he didn't expect them to pay him as a teacher of God's word. He sincerely wanted to preach the gospel to them free of charge. It wasn't that he shouldn't have been compensated. It just was back then, in an effort to bring the gospel to the Thessalonians, there was a lot of uh, crooks, like a lot of false religion going around, charging big money to, to follow their way. So he wanted to be opposite of what they were doing so that he would, they would know that he really did care for them. He didn't want to be associated with the false religion who were doing it from, for, in, in it for monetary gain. He was doing it as a labor of love. Paul wanted them, the Thessalonians, to see him as their spiritual father, one who encourages and exhorts them to live as children of the king, doing what was right in God's sight, living honorable lives of moral courage and having personal integrity. Now, did you notice that Paul loves his church with the gentleness and tenderness of a nursing mother, but also shows himself strong as a father to exhort and encourage them to live righteously? He was concerned for their present and their future, just like parents are. This is a letter to the Thessalonians, but it's also a letter to each one of us. Are we walking in a manner worthy of God who calls us into his kingdom and glory? Um, I feel like I'm always failing. I don't know about you, but I'm always like, oh, Jesus, please, please help me. Can we honestly be examples to others by manifesting the power of Jesus in our lives? That is the kind of life that draws others to follow Jesus for themselves. And you know what's really powerful and what changes us? The word of God, not each other. I mean, we might be able to encourage each other, but really what's gonna grow us and change us and mold us is the word of God. That's why it's so important to read, um, have your devotions. No matter, you know, you don't put time limit on it, whatever, is, whatever fits for where you're at and what season of life you're in. Just follow some kind of reading plan or get in the word somehow. Um can we honestly be examples to others by manifesting the power of Jesus in our lives? Yes, we can. This is the kind of life that draws others to follow Jesus for themselves. And we know the word of God is powerful. It reminds us to take stock of our lives, our motives, our thoughts, the intentions of our hearts. And that's what happens when you're reading your word, the word or studying or even doing our, you know, our homework or preparing like to teach. The Lord just starts working on you like, ooh oh, yeah, I did do that, or I said that, or I shouldn't have said that. And um, he just works on you and makes you soft. I think the world can kind of make us hard. And um, he just softens us and makes us more pliable and moldable, and, and we need it. Now more than ever, we need to live with moral courage. We're getting bombarded from all sides, attacked for our Christian morals, and we must stand firm against wokeness. It's everywhere we look. Let's continue with verse 13 through 16. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it not as the word of men, but, it, but as it is in the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, Judea in Christ Jesus For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. They do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Paul is always ready to thank God for whatever the situation is. This time, he's thankful that the Thessalonians have accepted the word of God for what it truly is, and Paul could see it already in work of them, because there was power in the word of God to change lives. They were changing. He was seeing the fruit. Paul compared them to the believers in Judea, and that's where Jerusalem is located. They also suffered at the hands of the Jews who refused to believe Jesus was their Messiah. They didn't believe it. As soon as the Thessalonians responded to the gospel, they became targets of persecution. Those religious Jews who opposed the free gift of salvation through Christ also made it difficult to spread the word to the Gentiles whom they wanted to convert to Judaism and thus would suffer the full wrath of God, who sincerely wishes none to perish but all to come to repentance. We spoke about the wrath of God the last time we were together, and I don't want there to be confusion about the wrath of God and the judgment of God. We're all going to be judged by God, as believers, the punishment of sins were paid once and for all on the cross by our Savior Jesus Christ. Because we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, the Father sees us as righteous. All of our sins have been erased, and um, it's amazing to feel that slate has been clean. and I think our minds and women can struggle with um, you know, having dreams of the past, or things being thrown up, or feeling condemned, or beating yourself up, but if you, the Lord doesn't remember, it's thrown as far as the east is to the west. It's all been erased. You have a clean slate, and you can start over. I remember when we left Millville, and I was in a uh, pretty um, not a good state, and I, we moved to Vineland, and Meef said, you have, a, you have a new slate. You're not that Trisha that was in that Millville High School. You're now in Vineland High School, and nobody knows you. Nobody knows anything. And I remember thinking, okay, I can do this. Um, She pulled me out of all remedial classes and put me in college classes and I thought what she's this lady's crazy She believes in me, and I'm gonna fail everything and because she believed in me And I had this clean slate and I wasn't Identifying myself with that girl my, my the old girl. I was able to be okay I can do this and be able to pass and get A's and B's so it's so nice to be reminded those You know if they were all written on the chalkboard They're all gone. you just erase them with an eraser. They're forever gone, and I love that However, however, there will come a time when the church will be judged for our works. That is our faithfulness in Christian service. That's according to Matthew 16:27. Selfish works are those done with wrong motives, will be burned up. That's the wood, hay, and stumble that we read about in 1 Corinthians 3:12. However, the works of lasting value to the Lord will survive. All of our works after we were saved will be examined and rewarded at the Bema seat judgment also called the judgment seat of Christ. On the other hand, those who refuse to believe in Jesus and reject the price he paid on our behalf will suffer the wrath of God. We're definitely not in James anymore, are we, ladies? (laughs) This is more heavier stuff. Our Heavenly Father sent his only son to become a man and endure the suffering, being mocked, scorned, scourged, tortured, and nailed to a cross to die the most horrific crucifixion. Sometimes I try like to imagine um, being there. I, there's what's the movie that was out about? Um, yeah, I could I could barely even watch it, because it was just... So I can't imagine, like, those people that were there and seeing that, and I think if we put it... I mean, we just have no idea, because we don't watch those kind of deaths. I mean, it's just, they're not... It's illegal now, but that's the way they did things back then. I mean, we just... Um, it's just so unfamiliar and out of our realm of thinking. But it was horrific, the die, the death that he died. When we really think of what he endured for us, it's um, truly, truly a love that we can't fathom. It's just... Um, it's, uh, it's just—it's mind-blowing. The Father's wrath then is justified and would be poured out on those who turn their back on that free gift of God's grace. Those who reject his precious son and the price he paid for their sins. And according to verse 16, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. So, we just read, if you hinder anyone from hearing the gospel so that they might be saved, you reach the limit of your sins and you're subject to the full wrath of God. This is why, ladies, we go out there and we tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. We share so that they can too. They too can have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's verse 17. But we, brethren, have been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Now Paul first says he cares for them with a nursing mother tenderness. Then he speaks to them like an encouraging father. And now when he's away, he says that he feels he's orphaned. Isn't that a great picture of a family? Paul saw his church. I mean, he's speaking like a dad. You know, he's speaking like a a family like a mom and dad and kids and honestly that is how church family has been for us when we left um everyone with um megan was two months old and abby was two and a half and um i couldn't get in a car and go see my mother-in-law or any family the church family became our family like they truly like um that's who we did thanksgiving with christmas with um you just depended on them, and it's just a beautiful thing when the church really loves one another like your family, and it's just beautiful to see in action because our families are all dysfunctional, we all have issues, um, but we love them anyway, and we got some good ones and we got some difficult ones, and yeah, our church family, it should all be good, right? Should all be perfect? No. (laughs) It's still grace and mercy, but it should be um, a lot easier and better if we're doing it the way Jesus wants us to do it and loving one another and um, the way he calls us to and requires us to. Right? It's the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Verses 18 through 20. Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope? Or joy or crown of rejoicing. Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. It says, Satan hindered us. Well, we know that Satan's going to have to deal with that one day. He'll have to answer for all his things he's doing, but you know, he'll have the wrath of God upon him. And I know we all can't wait for that. Paul once again shows his love for his spiritual children in Thessalonica with some very tender words from his heart. He missed them, and he longed to be with them. So much so that every time he tried to go, Satan hindered him from going. Paul knew this time with with them caused them to grow spiritually, and the word was going to spread. Obviously, Satan doesn't like that, right? He doesn't like it when we're loving one, one another, making meals for one another, being there when we're hurting. Uh, you know sending little note cards you know sometimes I get the sweetest little cards of just encouragement and they I'm telling you just a little note card can bless you bless your heart when you're having a rough day just the small he's not he's not over there going oh go go ahead no he's seeking oh how can I get in here and cause some division how can I make this sister think this sister doesn't like her how can I um, have these clicks and these clicks how can I say well this church does this but we don't You know, that's how he gets in, and he wants to hurt and destroy and beat us down. And I pray that as we're here and we're in the word and we're growing, that we will be not those women. You know, we're going to struggle. We're going to fail. But let's quickly say, I am sorry. Please forgive me. And let's hug and let's go on, right? Keep going. And grab one another and encourage one another and and get through this because it's it's hard, and it's not going to get easier. It's hard living in this world. It's hard raising kids in this world today. We want to encourage, encourage, grab the younger ones and encourage them and pull pull them, uh, you know, up. (sighs) Okay, so he missed them and he longed to be with them. Just think when you have, you know, I know um, uh, Kaylee just went on a little trip because she's over 18 now and she went to see her cousins and, um, you know, Gina was like, this is so weird, having them just go on. I'm like, yeah, and It hurts. It hurts because you're they're under you for so long and then they're like well I'm gonna take a train and go see my cousin for a week bye and you're like well how do you know you're gonna be safe getting there well what about this what about that and it's like you know you're cutting those strings and letting them go because that's what we're called to do but it is it is it is hard it is really hard so he, he missed them and longed to be with them, just like a mom longs to be with her child. So much so that every time he tried to travel them, he was hindered, and Satan doesn't like that, so he throws the obstacles in Paul's way. We find, we'll find out in the next study that Paul worked around that by writing the letters, right? He delivered by Timothy. Satan would surely regret hindering Paul going in person, as his letters compose much of the New Testament that have lasted for 2,000 years, right? What we're reading which is so cool. Like you know, I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, God still won. In the meantime, Paul wanted the Thessalonians to know how proud he was of their faith in Jesus. He really was proud of them and wanted to encourage them. And verse 19 says, I like, the, I like the amplified version. I looked it up. Sometimes it's fun to look up, um, you know, if you're struggling to see in a different version, you can look it up and you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. Because sometimes in another version, you might not be—it might be a little harder. So I, you know, I'm always trying to figure out ways to make it easier to understand, and that's one thing that helps. And I just have an app on my phone, and I can—it it pulls all the prompts up for all the different—and um, I'm probably using tech different weird, weird techie words, but it pulls up the things, and you can pick Amplified or NIV or whatever. So the Amplified in this verse 19, I really loved, and I wanted to share it with you in closing. For who is the object of our hope or joy or our victor's wreath of triumphant celebration when we stand in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are indeed our glory and our joy.